Amen, amen, amen. Well, you glad to be in church on Easter morning, yeah? Isn't God good? And uh, we get sun on Easter weekend. How fun is that? Praise the Lord, and uh, praise the Lord for the sun yesterday. Amen, because that was, that was awesome. And we had a huge uh, turnout last night. Thank you for all of you who helped us put that together. I want to talk to you this morning about uh, the, the fresh, the new identity that God gives us in Jesus, the free identity, the real identity, kind of like getting to know the real you. Uh, and, and I like to think that, you know, most of us don't really know the real us, and sometimes even after we come to the Lord, we don't really know the real us. We're still getting to know who the real us is because there's so many layers that we've piled on that isn't really the real us. And uh, so, you know, some of us think, you know, you've, we've never been in a drama, but we're actually in one every day. Some of us are the finest actors on the planet. Who needs Hollywood when you've got Holly Weird, right? So that's us sometimes, uh, playing roles and playing parts that, that really, really aren't us, but they're roles that, that we've learned we have to play to find the attention that we crave and desire. And I want to talk to you a little bit today about that. First, I want to just start with how, how important it is that we become born again. John chapter 3, and most of you know all about this, but it's good to be refreshed. You like refreshers? I've got a CD I've been listening to in my car uh, probably 20 times. And uh, I, I like to get truth so deep in me that it becomes a part of me. That's a pretty cool thing, right? And uh, so just by refresher, uh, Jesus said, you must be born again. Everybody say born again. Because that sounds kind of crazy. And, of course, that's a little bit about what this leaky tank is all about this morning. So if you see water on the ground, we actually had two of them ready to go, and the other one was really leaking. I think a cow bit the other one. But I don't know what's going on. But, so Jesus said, you must be born again. He said, you... You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And when he said that to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, it's recorded. So John was there. John records the story. John chapter 3 contains this story. Then Nicodemus said, and we'll read it together. It might be on the screens. There you go. Jesus replied, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And Nicodemus says, how can somebody be born when they're old? Right? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. And Jesus said, very truly, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of mom and born of the Spirit. You've got to be born of both. So the kingdom of God, it's for, it's for kids. It's for us. Uh, it's for us to enter into. But there's a spiritual birth, Right? So he says you've got to be born of the flesh. You've got to be born of water, of the flesh, and of the Spirit. And then he goes on to say that flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So we're talking about a spiritual birth. We come to the Lord and we receive this spiritual birth, and, and we're marked with the love of God. When we're born of a natural birth, I like to think of it this way, we're born wrong the first time. So we have to be born again. Anybody born wrong? Yeah, every one of us in this room, we were born wrong. We were born separated from God, alienated from God, enemies from God. 
And this is why we, you know, we strive and we're defensive when somebody tells us to do it right. Right? Because wrong is wired in our system. Ephesians 2.1 is for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. That means spiritually dead. Obviously, you were walking around the planet, but you were spiritually dead in your transgressions. We were. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. This is the Apostle Paul. You lived that way when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that is now work at work in those who are disobedient. So there's a spirit working within us before we are born again, before we're born of God, before we're born right and born the second time, born the right way, born of spiritual birth. There's a spirit of working in us, uh, and that, that spirit is really keeping us from all that God has. It's, it's blinding our eyes. And that's part of what this tank is about, by the way, too, is because the water, baptismo, means to be immersed in the water, actually represents the surface of the earth. That's why we do baptism. It's kind of a cool thing. But Paul says in Romans chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 2 that when we are buried together with him in the waters of baptism, so this water represents the surface of the earth, and what do you do with dead people? You bury them. So the Word is telling us that, that we can come out of that old life, that Adam life, that, that misinformed life, that false identity life, that actor life where we've been wholly weird, where we've had all sorts of false dramatical faces that we put on to get the attention we crave. We can come out of that and come into new life. We can be raised to new life. How many of you think that's pretty cool? And you can actually begin to discover who you really are when you're raised to life. You can actually begin to flow and function as you are and function out of freedom. And guess what? You won't really care so much about what people think. You'll care primarily what God thinks. The new birth makes you a son, a daughter of God. It happens by accepting the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, accepting the new life that he offers a life that is separated from sin, separated from Satan. Yes, it's real. It's true. Separated unto God, a life that is dedicated to him. It's a new life, a raised up life. And until we accept Jesus, who is our representative, who is our forgiveness, who is the one who paid the price for us, who connects us to Father, who is the high priest. He's the only high priest. I'm not a high priest. He's the high priest. Jesus is the high priest. He's the one we come through. He says in John 10, I am the door, right? We come through him. There's no other door. We come through him, and, and, and he is our access to the Father. And until we do that, we're not connected to Father. And God sh- can't show us his love and his blessing like he really wants, us t- wants to show us. Because we've chosen to be separated. We've chosen to be separated, so Father has to honor our choice. And it's in this state of separation that we choose, that we get enmeshed, entangled in these false identities. False identities. A false identity, by the way, doesn't have to be a bad thing. It could be a good thing that you've just lifted up higher than you should have. A false identity could be actually 
related to the way you're wired, but yet because you are making it what you rely on for affirmation, for love, for self-esteem, self-worth. How many of you know what happens is sometimes the very things that are good can become bad because we lift them above the Lord? And then a false identity could be something that is bad. It's woven together with our history. It's woven together with abuse or hurt or damage. And it really could be something that is totally out of the realm of what we should flow in naturally. I believe the Lord is asking you today, as a part of your Easter gathering, recognizing his resurrection for you, that he died, that he's rose again. He's asking that you would just examine your heart today and set aside a false identity. Maybe it's a good thing gone bad. Maybe it's a bad thing gone worse. He's asking that you would set it aside, that you would bring it to actually the foot of the cross. I want to talk about just a few of these and give you some examples. You've probably met our first example. She was a server who became the doormat. It all started through the attention she received when she served well, when she waited on others, when she took the last place in line, when she took the chores and the responsibilities. Her family was unstable, so it seemed right, seemed like the thing to do. But now when she isn't serving, she doesn't like herself. When others don't notice her serving, she's hurt. She's afraid that something's wrong. Though she serves more than anyone she knows, she still lives in constant fear of not serving good enough. Yes, she was programmed for serving, but it's meant to flow out of love, not be the source of love. Serving is good, but Father wants you to serve from love, not serve for love. This is what Jesus is doing even today. He's reuniting us with Father. He's connecting us in his resurrection with Father. And in reuniting us with Father, he's marking us with his unconditional love, making us a child of royalty before we do one single thing. You're a child of royalty before you do anything. And in that way, you're serving. You're serving out of love. You're serving because He's marked you. You're not serving to get attention. You're serving because you are the center of His attention. Come on, let's let the Lord just do surgery on our hearts this morning. Father, we just welcome you to do surgery even where a good thing has gone bad, where we've lifted up or elevated a good thing. And now that good thing It's become the very thing that we're looking to for our own affirmation, our own attention. We ask you to touch our hearts today. Touch our hearts deeply. Our next example was praised for his physique. I know you're thinking this is about me. He grew stronger and stronger growing up and You know, everybody noticed how strong he was, and they would comment 
on that physique and on those athletic abilities. Soon he was finding his security and self-worth in the body that was developing and the, the athletic ability. But he noticed something. He, he noticed that anger was developing if he couldn't get to the gym. After all, this was his identity. And, and, and then it happened. It all came crashing down. After a car accident, it left him unable to, to lean into that identity. He couldn't lift any longer, and he, just, he couldn't be who he thought he was. And he began to question, who was he? What was his value? Depression set in, and then addiction. But the Lord wants him to be free. The Lord wants him to know that he's loved before he does one thing. The Lord wants his identity to spring out of sonship, out of freedom. He's going to lift out of love, not live for love. He's loved when he doesn't have that perfect physique, when, when he's not the center of attention, he's the center of God's attention. And the thing that was a good thing that he, that he had at his disposal that became a bad thing, now the Lord is marking him with his love making him a new creation. A strong physique is good, and Father loves that you care for your body. But Father wants you strong out of love, not strong to be loved. Jesus is uniting you today with your Father, who's marking you with his unconditional love, making you a child of royalty before you do one thing. Our last example was groomed in religion. Yeah, some of us churchy ones can be the worst. And we're thinking, you know, we've already had pharisaical thoughts as we've been sitting here. Some of us thinking, boy, I'm sure glad I'm not like those two. But this one knew everything wrong that his church outlined in their 31 steps to please God. He never missed a Bible study. He went through catechism with straight A's. He joined Bible quiz and worked so hard. Eventually became a deacon leader and then an elder in the church. He knew if he could just do the right things that the church fathers told him, he'd feel good about himself. But it seemed no use. There was still inner torment. The more he studied what not to do, the more he felt condemned. He couldn't get away from the feeling of not measuring up. But he was trying harder than all the others around him. Jesus has come to set him free. To raise him up in relationship. To raise him up in sonship. To raise him up in really knowing the Lord. In a friendship with the Lord that doesn't come from how many books he's read. How much he's studied. What he's memorized. The time clock on his prayers. All of the marks on his memorization skills. Jesus has come to give him a brand new life. Certainly study is good. And religion is meant to be a blessing. But not to earn sonship. Not to measure up. Not to attain some position with God. Religious fervor 
is a false identity. Father wants to strip away the things we lift above the sacrifice of Jesus. The activity, even the good activity, we place where relationship with him really belongs. Jesus unites us with our Father who marks us with his unconditional love and makes us a child of royalty before we do one thing. I know you've had the question because I get it now and then. The question within your own mind even. You know, you missed your Bible time today. You, you missed your prayer time today. You, may, you know, and you just, it's rattling around. Am I still any good? I have worth. I, you know, and, and the Lord wants to affirm to you today that it's not about your religious activity. It's about a relationship of accepting that He's marked you with His unconditional love that you are royalty, that he loves you, he's adopted you. The adoption is so deep that he's changed the DNA within your very being. You are raised to life in Jesus. You are raised to life in Jesus. See, it's our history, it's our parents, it's our lineage, it's our experiences that the enemy uses to seek to define us. And then we end up taking on these false identities because we need affirmation and we need to know we're worthwhile. And we, and we look so many times to these relationships and to this history and to these things that have happened to know who we are and to know what our identity is. But the Lord wants to liberate you from all that false impression, all of those lies that the enemies used, history, circumstance, injury, to perpetrate against your heart, he wants to liberate you from that which has marked you wrongfully and give you a true identity. And you can't find that true identity until you find it in sonship, until you find it in being the daughter of God, until you find it in the freedom that Jesus brings when he reunites you to Father. And Father pours out upon you this unconditional love and makes you a child of royalty. There's a young man who was molested when he was just 10 years old. It's marked him with questions about his identity. It's marked him with a false pretense, and he lives out of that. It haunts him, but Jesus would set him free. Some have been marked with failure, but it's not the real you, and you're worried about failure, and your mind is consumed with thoughts of failure, but it's not the real you. It's a false identity, and Jesus sets you free, and he will raise you up to new life. Some of us are marked by sexual fulfillment or sexual indulgence, and we, we've, we've been marked that way, and we think that our identity is found in sexual fulfillment and sexual gratification, but it's not the real you. It's just a layer that's been piled on. Yes, God loves sexual fulfillment. He created us that way, but not to be lifted above the sacrifice of Jesus that's made a way for us to have relationship with Father. Jesus is raising us up into new life. He's marking us. He's marking us liberty and freedom so that we can receive the unconditional love of Father. Some of us have accepted a false identity of rejection. And we're seeing life through the lens of rejection. And wherever we go, we're easy to take offense. We're easy to get hurt and damaged because we're seeing life through the lens of rejection. But the Lord wants to deliver us this morning. 
He wants to set us free from an identity of rejection that doesn't even exist except in our own mind. Would you let him set you free today? Some are marked with a false identity of violence. Violence. Thinking that it's through aggression, it's through anger or aggression or control that we're able to get what we need and and get our needs met. Some of us are marked with bitterness. Bitterness is a false identity. It's not the real you. It was planted in your life through an injury, and now it's created the new you, a new you, but not a better you. These are all canes and crutches of the old life. It's interesting that there's an accusation that Jesus is a cane or a crutch. How many of you know he's not at all? He is liberty to the real you. What I'm discussing this morning, these are canes and crutches. These are not the real you. These are false identities. These are the canes and the crutches of the old life. And when you were raised up to new life in Jesus, you're not only set free from sin and the penalty of death, but you're set free from these false identities. That's a lot of what this tank is about. We're going to leave something in that tank. We're going to leave something there. We're going to be buried together with Jesus. The old life is being put away. And we're coming up as those who are new. We're putting away lies that Satan has perpetrated against us. For the Lord desires to restore us. How many of you know this can't happen if we cling too tightly to a false identity? It can't happen. And sometimes we cling to those false identities too tightly that are actually good, but it's good that's gone bad. And so the Lord wants you to even let go of good false identities. That is, just bring them down a notch or two and affirm that you're putting Jesus as the chief of your life, right? The Bible says the chief cornerstone from which your whole house is built. As we make him supreme, as we make his declaration. See, there's testimonies that the enemy's brought over you, but then there's a testimony of Jesus. And he's the one looking at Father's book about you. I'm going to ask you to leave some false identities here this morning. Let's stand. I'm going to dismiss the baptismal candidates as they get ready to come up and get all wet for Jesus. Those of you that are being baptized, you're going to meet in the back in the foyer with the team there. Others of us just begin to move into place. But I want you to just continue to listen to what the Lord is saying and how he's touching our hearts this morning. John 8.34, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to the family forever. And if the son has set you free, you will be free indeed. Now I like that because actually the inference is deep. If the son has set you free, you will be free in your deeds. See, the inference goes into your behavior as well. It goes into the way that we live. If the Son has set you free, that means the Son is setting you free of false identities. That means your whole behavior begins to shift. And this morning, you can begin to shift your behavior. You can let go of things that have been piled on, layers that have been piled on that aren't really 
meant to be supreme in your life. You can let go of looking to other things that have brought you a feeling of affirmation and worth and value when the Lord who is jealous over you says, would you just look to me? Would you look to me first? You know, I love that you serve, but I want you to look to me first. I love that you lift, but would you look to me first? I love that you study, but would you look to me first? This is what the Lord is saying. I'm going to invite you right now just to begin to respond as the baptismal candidates are getting ready. We're going to worship for a moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed just for a moment as well. Would you respond to the tug of the Lord on your heart? First of all, He says you must be born again. If you're here this morning and you have not been born again or you're unsure of your relationship with God, Jesus was trying to tell Nicodemus in John 3 that it's not about rules and regulations and laws. It's not about the Ten Commandments or the the perfection of the law because there's not one of us that can measure up to that. Yes, we are measured by it, but we can't measure up to it. So what happens is we see that our lives are falling short. We see that we can't measure up to those laws and those commandments. We see that, that our life is not filled with glory. So God has provided a way for us to access Him in spite of ourselves. We access Him through Jesus. If that's you, begin to come. Let's begin to respond this morning. Let's begin to respond this morning. Some of us finding the Lord turning our hearts to Him. Some of us setting aside a false identity. Father, we welcome You right now. We welcome You right now. You've made a way for us. You've made a way for us. We welcome You right now to begin to shift something within us. To begin to shift something within us. We embrace what it is to be born again. What it is to know you. What it is to give our lives to you. Come on, what I'm going to do, I'm going to keep the front open. We're just going to have double ministry going on this morning. Triple, fourfold ministry. Come on, we got prophetic painting. We're going to do the baptisms. But you know what? We're going to let you just continue to respond to God. What's on his heart that's touching your heart? What's he saying to your heart that's touching your heart? What's he asking you to set aside or to do? We'll just leave the altars open as we worship. We'll make this the way we'll put the ribbon on our gathering this morning. Welcoming you, Lord. Welcoming you, Lord. Touch us in the deepest place. Heal our wounded spots. Rearrange all that's within us, God. Oh, we love you for it, Lord.